Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Now that is so exciting because that means not only wherever I go, he is with me. Watch this. He also is in me to give me the strength to do whatever he asks me to do. I like to say it this way. God's commandments come with God's enablements. Isn't that cool? That when God asks me to do something, and it's even better than that, he gives me more ability to do than what he asks me to do. It's like if I uh, struck a match over here, he didn't give me a squirt gun to put it out. If I strike a match here, he gave me a fire hose to put it out of power. So I can accomplish whatever God wants me to do, whether it's a, a life of, of separation unto him or holiness or godliness or just flat out telling other people about him. Whatever he's called me to do, God is with me. God is in me. And here gets to be the best part. It's not so much that he is forcing me to do this, is he says, Stan, Stan, I want to do it in your place. So just let me do it. Now, that is so spooky that people outside the faith really don't understand that. Those inside the faith hardly understand it. But it's a truth, nevertheless, that God will give you the power to do what you need to do. Because God is with you. God is in you. And we're celebrating the birth of Christ, who is the Godhead in him bodily. And now he takes the Spirit and he puts him, himself, in us. And not only is the Spirit in you, but Christ is in you. Listen to this verse. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the greatest news of all. I have hope for the glory that will be mine when I have heaven, is my now home in heaven, that I have Christ in me now. So everything that I need that pertains to godliness is found in Christ, who is with me as wherever I go, who is in me to empower me. So here's the phrase. God is with me, so I'm never, ever alone. God is in me so that I know that I'll never have to be defeated. So please know that you have not only the birth of a Savior that we're celebrating, but the Savior is also alive forevermore and He lives within you. Let me give you the last one. God is with us. God is in us, but one more truth, and that is God is for us. God is a cheerleader. Let me tell you a little bit about my past. I, um, I grew up um, as a second-generation American. So if some of you are from another ethnic group and you came into America, I came into America with, with a mom and dad that were here just the first generation. But we so much grew up in another culture. It was what we called a Bohemian culture. That means we're a mixture of Czechoslovakian, Swiss, German, and a little bit of gypsy thrown in there somewhere. All right. And so we uh, spoke another language growing up. I heard another language. We ate different kind of food. We hung with different kind of people. We looked at life a little bit differently. And so as I grew up, um, I, I was not the star football player. I wouldn't open up the paper on Saturday morning and read my name for catching the touchdown pass. 
I wasn't a musician, so you wouldn't come and hear me play in the band, football team, or in a symphony, orchestra. You would never see that. I wasn't your math wizard. I certainly didn't write anything of value except little homework assignments, so I was really a, a kind of a nothing. At the same time, I wasn't a very healthy kid. I spent most of my younger ch- childhood years in bed. I had sur- two major, major surgeries. One, I, my, my dad didn't think I was going to wake up from by the time I was seven. And so as a kid, I was terribly bullied. Um, and then you get the name Stanley. If your name's Stanley, I, 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 hey, we're brother, we're there, all right? But then you're given the middle name Rudolph. Do you know what Christmas was like for me growing up? All right? So you got all that going on. So I never really felt anyone for me. I never had the crowd cheer because I dunked the ball. I never heard the crowd stand up and applaud because I played in the orchestra. I'm not, I'm not playing the victim theory. I just want you to know that in di- different people's lives, we didn't have that experience. So you never really had that kind of cheerleading. It wasn't until Carol helped me understand Scripture because she led me to Christ that I do have a cheerleader in my life, and he's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's huge. Look up here, if you will. When I trusted Christ as Savior, he says, Stan, I accept you into me. I accept you. That means God wants me into him, into the Godhead, so to speak. I'm accepting the beloved one, the Scripture says. I accept you. That means I accept you without your musical skills. I accept you without your intellectual ability. I accept you without your athletic ability either. Whatever, I accept you. But watch this. In another passage, it says that as I now make him the Lord of my life as a Christian, he now approves me. So now he says, I want you on my team. And he says, now I'm going to cheerlead you on. And where did I get all of that? Well, there's a lot of verses, but the one verse that I'm reminded of is this verse. In Romans chapter 8, I just have a sneaky suspicion that there are some young people that are listening to my voice right now that might feel that they have a very small little group of people that accept them, and out of that group, even a smaller group that might approve them, but over the big scheme of things, that they're very much alone. And I want you to look at this passage, would you? Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Nothing will give you greater courage than to know that the Lord is there with you. How special that that is. Nothing is more special than to know that he is now not only with you alongside of you, but he is inside of you. So he's alongside and inside, and now he is full-on cheerleading you. Look, if you will, at verse 31, and I'm going to read it slowly. And if you have a Bible and someone next to you doesn't have one, just kind of scoot next to them very gently and Kind of look at it together. Verse 31 says this, What then shall we say to these things? You ought to read these things. It's like a kaleidoscope of blessings. Then it says, If God is for us, but technically that would say, Since God is for us. Look up here for a moment. When you hear the word, if God is, it'd be like me saying this. If you're here today, would you raise your hand? See how stupid that is? If you're here today, you are here today. Since you're here today, that's what this means. Okay, so since God, written to Christians, is for you, who can be against you? I'm accepted and I'm approved. He who did not spare his own son, this shows you how much you are accepted. 
But he delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Now that doesn't mean I get a brand new Ferrari. But it does mean I'm given freely all things that I need to live godly for him. Verse 33. Who will bring, who will bring a charge against God's elect? In other words, me. In other words, am I, is he not only my cheerleader, he's not going to let anybody point their finger at me because I'm one of his elect. I'm part of his forever family by faith. God is the one who justifies. He's the one that says I'm right or wrong, good or bad. Then it says here, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, yay. Rather, he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Woo! That means he then prays in our place for us, besides dying in our place for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing will. Who will do this? No one. Will tribulation do this? Distress do it? Persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? When I read those words, I think, none of that relates to me. How many have already eaten too much during the holidays? And we haven't even finished the holidays. So famine, we're not going to go through that, are we? Maybe. Distress, persecutions, nakedness, peril. So that means whatever you go through is going to be less than this. And if God says that nothing will separate us from the love of God, not even these bad things, then how about even the other stuff we have in our life that isn't as bad as this? None of that's going to separate us from the Lord. Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But now here's the good part. But in all these things we are overwhelmingly, it's like a gigantic turn up the volume Blast! We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, powers, none of that will ever separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, the babe that was born all in Christ. But I want to leave you with this last thought by telling you a testimony that helped some lady that I think might help you, and then we'll be done. Yesterday morning, in the midst of getting ready for an onslaught of wonderful family and people staying with us at our home, I received a a phone call from upstate New York. I pastored up there for a number of years, and it was a a lady who I've been talking to on the phone because her husband is near death. And um, I just talked to her a couple days, and I talked to him and prayed with him on the phone, and and all that, and she was weeping when she called yesterday morning, and she said, Stan, she said, um, Dick's gone. Dick's gone. I'm so angry. And I, I was a little surprised by that because she, like many of you, a senior saint, she'd been walking with the Lord a long time, and she has nothing for which to be sorry for. But she then spilled herself, and she said this. She said, and this is true, she said, I've been with Dick from 8 in the morning till sometimes 9 o'clock at night, sometimes sleeping with him, day after day, week after week, he's in the hospital, out of the hospital, in the hospital, out of the hospital. She did, in your mind, go as far as you want to go, did everything for this man to try to help him. And he was such a sweet man. And now through her tears and her sobs, she's saying, last night, which would be the night before she called me, she said, 
I was there with him till six, and then he made me go home because the weather is so bad in upstate New York. He wanted me to be safe. And every night at nine o'clock, as weak as he was, he would then call me to say, good night, honey. Good night. I love you. Well, he didn't call at nine. And so she got a little worried, didn't know what happened. At 10 o'clock, he finally called and said, Judy, I'm so sorry I fell asleep. I don't want you to worry for me. I'm okay. I love you. See you in the morning. So she went to sleep. The phone rang again. And this time it was a nurse's station. He's in heaven. Now, as a pastor and a friend, I guess to her, I am so glad that I could present Jesus Christ to her. Not Santa Claus. Not some other good guy or gal. That I could, with my words, wrap my arms around this poor, suffering widow and say, God is with you when Dick nor I or family can't be. And Judy, you're going to make it because you have God, the Spirit, inside of you that wherever you go, whatever decision you need to make, you will be given God's mind on that through His Word. And Judy, when you have to look at that cactus, at that ca- uh, casket, and experience Sunday, an empty chair day, when Dick's gone, I want you to know that the Lord is still cheerleading for you because He loves you so much. And this pain, your absence, is not going to separate you from the love of God. So here's your take-home points. Number one, God is with you. You're never alone. God is in you. You'll never be abandoned. And God is for you. You never have to be afraid. Now, for those of you that are peering through the windows of Christianity, I'd like to say this to you, and I wish I could come alongside you and maybe just sit next to you because I want you to really know this. This is not preacher talk. It's just friend talk to you. So listen carefully. Those of you that are still exploring Christianity, everything that I said about Christ is coming from the Bible that has been proven to be historically, prophetically, scientifically accurate. So I'm speaking truth to you because the Bible is truth. And God wants you to know on Christmas morning that God loves you. And 2,000 years ago, you were in the mind of God even then, knowing that you'd need that Jesus that had to be born in that stable. Because he came to save you from your sins. So don't think this is a pressure thing to you. Think of it as more of a, you're on a train track and the train is coming and we don't want you to get hit by the horrific eternity without Christ. And Jesus could save you from your sins because he did this. Can you see? Let my right hand represent you and me. And let my wallet right here represent our sin. The Bible says we all have sin on us. I'm a sinner. So are you. So is everybody in this room. The Bible says we have to be perfect without sin to go to heaven. 
But nobody is as perfect as God. You know that. Nobody can be. He's God. The Bible says that because I'm a sinner and I have to be perfect and I'm not, I'm such a sinner that my penalty will be to be placed in a horrific place called hell for eternity. And the worst part about being in hell is the very fact of being separated from the love of God, being separated from Christ. Now the Bible says I have sin on me and now here's where it gets really squirrely because the world comes along and they say, yeah, I know this about God, that God wants you to stop your sinning, and he does. God wants you to be good, and he does. But the problem is God never said to stop sinning, be good, to go to heaven. He says, you're so bad, I am too. We've done things that are, are wrong by nature and by choice, because we have that, that no good deed I do myself will get rid of that sin. So if I did a religious deed, whatever religion you're in, that won't get rid of that sin. If I do a social good deed, that's not going to get rid of the sin. The only thing God says to get rid of that sin is death. That's why people die. That's why they're separated from God now. They've sinned. All right, look up here. This will explain it. Can you see this in the back? Let my right or left hand represent God who took on flesh. This is my wallet. represents sin. It separates me from heaven, separates me from Christ. The Bible says God loves me. He hates my sin, so when he died, he took my sin on himself. And now he says, see, Stan, I paid your sin debt, and I'm offering you, here it is, the free gift, like at Christmas time. I'm giving you the gift of Christ. I'm giving you the gift of eternal life that's found in Christ. Christ is God with us. Christ is Jesus who will save you from your sin because your sin sends you to hell. So this is Jesus. That's my gift to you right now. I paid for it. I'm giving him to you. All you have to do now is to come just as you are and say, I can't do anything to get this except place my faith alone in Christ. Now, friend, that's all you have to do. So Mary, did you know? She knew a little bit, but she didn't know the whole thing. You know a little bit. You can learn the whole thing as you grow. What you do need to know is that Jesus Christ died and he rose again, and salvation is for you. Let me quote a verse. We'll pray and we'll go home. Here am I with my sin. Christ is perfect. For God so loved me, you, the world, that he gave his son on the cross he was born to die, and he rose again. That whoever you are, if you will believe in him, not behave, not believe and behave, not just believe, but believe in Christ, in him, you will not perish, but you'd have everlasting life. That's a free gift to you. It costs God the death of his only son. You, it's free because you don't have to work for it, earn it, pay for it. You just receive it. How do you receive it? Take your little faith and place it in our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and just take a moment and reflect on this truth? Today we came to celebrate this wonderful Christmas time. And the reason we're so celebrated is because it was God in the flesh that was born. And that Jesus was born, who lived a perfect life, who died a perfect death, who then rose again from the dead to show a perfect resurrection, who then offers you a perfect eternal life, if you'll now but receive it by simple childlike faith. Are you ready to do that now? Think about it for just a moment.
If you receive it, you have eternal life. If you put it off, you don't have eternal life. And if you die, you'll die without eternal life, but have eternal death in its place. And God doesn't want you to have that. Do you know what's so cool? Is that God wanted you to hear this message that he worked it out so that you would even be here today or listening to me on the radio or perhaps hearing this on the internet. You are brought to this message right now because God not only loved you enough when he died on the cross through Christ, but loved you enough to make sure you got that message. He can do everything to do this, to give you eternal life in heaven and give you a relationship with him, but he can't do one thing. He cannot do the believing in Christ for you. That's what you got to do. And it's not hard. It's just believing in Christ. Now, it's not believing that he's a great guy, historical figure, starter of Christianity. No, but that he is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who died for you. And you are now trusting him for your forgiveness of sin. So you say, okay, I'm ready, Stan. What do I do? Very simple. Just say, Lord, I know I've done things wrong, but the best in the how, I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. Now, you don't tell me that. You say that to the Lord. It's not really a prayer. It's more of a mental transaction. You're changing your mind about who Christ is. He's God. You're changing your mind about who you are. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. You're changing your mind about salvation. It's no longer of works. It's only by faith in Christ. And now you're going the next step. You're placing your faith in Christ. You're trusting Him once you've changed your mind about all that. Would you do that right now? There are lots of folks praying for you. They don't know you, but they know you. People like you, and you're part of that group, and they love you, and they're praying for you. Would you receive Christ as your Savior? Then you can forever say, on Christmas morning, you received Jesus Christ as your Savior when you heard about His birth. He is not only God who is with us, if you trust Christ. He is God who is with you. He is God not only in believers, He is God who is in you who just believed in Christ. He is not only God for those who are Christians. He is God who is for you, your cheerleader, against the bastions of hell and all of the negative dark forces. He is for you if you trust Christ. Would there be anyone in here today that's ready to trust Christ as Savior? Would there be? If there is, I'm going to ask you to do something. And don't worry, you won't be embarrassed. I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you say anything out loud. I'm not going to come to you. But I would like to pray for you. But I don't know if you're trusting Christ unless you let me know. So how can we do that without you being embarrassed? Very simple. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. And I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, when you do that, I'm going to simply say, "Mm, I see that hand. That's it. Nobody's going to jump up and go to you. I'm not going to do that. I just want to know if today you're trusting Christ. If you said to the Lord in your own way, Lord, I'm trusting in you and you alone for the full forgiveness of sin. I know I'll be disciplined, but I'm securing you now. Now, if you'd like for me to pray for you with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand and put it down if you will. Is today the day you're going to receive your best Christmas present ever, eternal life found in Christ? All right? Put your hand up. Put it down. Is there anyone today that's trusting Christ as their Savior? God bless you. Anybody else? Put it up. 
All right, for the rest of you that are believers, God is with you. God is in you. God is for you. So as you face this new year, face it without the feeling of being abandoned, ashamed, afraid, or alone. Let's stand together, shall we? Let's stand together, would you? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today that is one more time revealed to us the greatness of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we've come here today as a family to celebrate the God-man who was born. We thank you that, Father, that you clearly told us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So we can boldly say that you are our helper. Therefore, we will not fear what man will do to us. So as we face this new year, we face it with joy. We face it with peace. We face it with confidence. All for thy glory. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.